So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. You know what? I am your sweet and lovable host of Bible News Radio. And all I can say is, let's make America great again. <laughs> I actually mean that, too. I'm not, I'm not teasing. I actually think we should make America great again. But the only way I think that that is going to happen is if we actually collectively repent as people of God because frankly that's where the power is is in prayer and repentance so what we're gonna do today on this episode is we're gonna look at a whole bunch of headlines people just so you know we're gonna look at headlines of the day I had like a dozen stories I told Randall I said I know there's no way that we're gonna get through this there is no way in fact our leading story is literally about an insane cuckoo Republican, all right? Yeah, I know. Those people who like to say that I'm I'm an ardent Republican, I'm behind Donald Trump a million percent, blah, blah. You you clearly don't listen to the show. (laughs) But what I am going to tell you is that there are a lot of stories about prayer, the Bible. Prayer is under attack, actually. And also... There's two stories about the Bible, a good news story about the Bible, and one where somebody used the Bible completely inappropriately. We're going to talk about that, and uh, and a lot more on this episode. So, do me a favor, everybody. Share this out. Share it out. Like, go that way. Share it, share it, share it. <laughs> Remember, sharing is caring. Yeah, it is. What are you looking at? I'm just uh, wondering about the noise. It's like something's... Something is uh, dragging across your mic boom. I don't know. It's like trying to duplicate the sound. Something like that. You know? So maybe the mic cord is. I don't know. But this is Bible News Radio. <laughs> and it's Monday. So yeah. the other thing that we're going to do too is we're going to read the book of Romans. Well, not the whole book. We're going to read part of the book, part of the chapter of Romans. In fact, I'm going to start with that. So if you have your Bible open, go ahead, open it right now to Romans chapter one. Because if you are following me on Bullhorn, which you should be, you actually, actually already read the first (laughs) chapter with me today over there on Bullhorn, which we'll talk about in a little while. I'm sorry, I'm slightly distracted because uh, yeah, because I just got five messages from somebody, which I, I'm not going to read at the moment. Okay. All right. So first thing I want to do, though, is know that uh, I have this book here. It's called Science and the Bible. It's by Kevin Joseph McCaw. Uh, this is a paid advertisement to promote this book. This is a self-published book. Uh, I have not read the book. So I am not personally endorsing this book, but I am advertising it here on the show. 
you can go and get a copy of this book if, it, if this topic interests you over at lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. It's called Science in the Bible. It's by Kevin uh, Joseph McCaw. I'll read you the back. It says, this is what he wrote on the back. He wrote, I worked at Schnepp Senior Care and Rehab Center from October 1st, 1985 to September 13th, 2010. I attend Amazing Grace Church in Wheeler, Michigan. I'm interested in space exploration and high energy physics. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross as a way to obtain anything from God. Faith in his sacrifice is the only means to make heaven your home. Once a person dies, their eternal destiny is sealed. So this is actually, uh, like I said, a paid advertisement, Science in the Bible, and it's available at lulu.com and or you can go over to Amazon.com and get the Kindle version of that. All right, so I want to first begin by saying hello, people. Thank you for coming into the show. I'm glad that you're here. I'm going to go ahead and check out Facebook here just for a second because uh, I had to turn down, I had to turn up the volume in order to, to do the music. So I have to actually do a couple of weird things in order to make this work the way it, it's going to work. And the reason I'm reading the scripture first before we get into this interesting story about this Republican guy uh, is because, well, because it's kind of important. Okay, I'm going to share this out here on my Facebook page. Hold on just a second, people. Thank you. Going on air. Over the weekend, I had a liberal friend bag on Donald Trump because he went golfing <laughs> and it's and and they they were upset because because Donald Trump was golfing he wasn't taking care of uh, the homeless people and all that which is a non sequitur it doesn't it doesn't compute because President Barack Hussein Obama actually went golfing a lot too and he didn't really do anything to help the homeless population either but all that to say, as I was thinking about, you know, politics and belief and unbelief and all this other stuff, I'm reading in Romans chapter 1, and beginning of verse 18, it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Okay, there's one thing I want you to notice here. Very first thing. It says here in verse 18, for the wrath of God. Let that like hit you just for a second. No, it doesn't say the love of God. You know, and this is what the liberals like to always talk about. The progressive, those who are involved in, so, in the social justice movement, all this other stuff. They don't even want to look at the fact that God is just and God actually has wrath attached to him. But it says here, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In run, in run, in run unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, 
so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, don't miss this, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to what? To impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to what? Degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. By the way, just a side note here. This is a passage about homosexuality and homosexual sexual behavior, just so you know, right? A lot of people like to deny this. That's why Romans 1 is never talked about. But yet there's so much more than just that in here. There is this. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to what? A depraved mind. To do what? To do things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, which Paul here is referring back to the Old Testament, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So why do I read this before I share with you this story? Because we are in a war and the war is for our heart and our soul and our mind. And as followers of Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit who is holy, right? He's holy. And what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 5 actually tells us what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. Okay? These are the main things. There's actually other functions of the Holy Spirit. But you look at that list compared to this list that we just gave, and it's it, it's completely the, completely the opposite, right? And so when we look at the news from a biblical worldview, this is the one thing I want you to remember. You have to always remember to look at everything as a believer through, as Janet Parshall would say, the lens of scripture. So you look up the Bible and then you look at the newspaper, right? So to speak. And you go, okay, is this behavior in alignment with what a believer really is about? Right? And nine out of 10 times, uh, most people don't even think that way, but but if you look at it that way and you go, huh, is this evident of the fruit of the flesh or is this evident of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Where there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, long-suffering, we see evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting, and I saw this this morning, I was talking to Randall about it. If you read all of Romans chapter 1, 
one of the things that Paul was writing to the Romans back then was he was saying, he was saying, hey, I really, really like the fact that you guys are people of faith. I really like it. And I pray for you all the time. I thank God for you. I thank God for you because of your grace, because of your peace. And, you know, I'm looking forward to coming to see you. And if you don't believe me, ask God, because I talk about, I talk to him about you all the time. That's basically the first part of the passage is what it says. But then he, he talks about why he's looking forward to seeing them. And part of the reason why he's looking forward to is because he's looking forward to seeing the fruit of that relationship that he's going to have. He's looking forward to seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's going to be born out of the fellowship that he has with, with the saints, right? And I know we don't talk about this a whole lot, do we? But the fact of the matter is we do. Your faith personally, when you guys tune into Bible News Radio and, and listen to Randall on Daily Disciples or Weekends in the Word, whatever you want to call it, you know, that, is, that builds Bareface's faith, and hopefully it's building your faith up, right? So that you, you're strengthened in your faith and you know you have God's word, the power, and you can go out and you, you got it. Because you know what? We're a team, right? Christians are a team. We're a team. <laughs> yeah, we are. Team Christian. Team God. I'm for God, you know. Team Jesus, you know. Some people hashtag that on, the, on, um, on their, their thing. But, but we are. We're a team. And the team is righteousness, right? That's the goal. But when we have people coming and masquerading as Christians, but they're really not because everything that they do bears fruit that's consistent with the devil, you know, how dare I say that word, uh, then, you know, people who are anti-God, they, they're like, well, yeah, all you Christians are hypocrites. And I'm going to share with you a story in a little bit that will kind of give you that idea. But, but let's look at this story, right? This leading headline. I don't know if you guys saw this, but... When I saw it, I was like, I, I, my initially, my thought was, I'm not going to share this because this is so depressing. But then I thought, no, I'm going to share it because, you know, one of the things that we get flailed at all the time is, you know, well, you Christians don't ever want to talk about the negative side of being Republican or whatever because you guys are evil. Just so you know, I am I am registered Republican, but I'm actually more of an independent. So this story is over on a website called fitznews.com, and it's titled Todd Kin Cannon proclaims himself as Jesus Christ and slaughters dog. Yeah, right there, the headlines will catch you. Because, you know, of course, what the, the writer wants you to think about is how Jesus Christ caused this guy to kill a dog. That's where he's going with that headline. So who is this guy? I'll tell you who he is. First of all, I had to look him up. I never heard of this guy. His name's Todd McKinnon, or Ken Cannon rather. And according to Wikipedia, uh, just to give you a, a little bit of a background before I read the article, uh, he, he was uh, born in 1981, so he's pretty young actually. He is an attorney and political activist known for his statements made uh, regarding political issues and current events. His license to practice law was suspended in 2015, which tells you something, right? Uh, he earned his uh, Juris Doctorate from the University of Southern California School of Law in 2007, so that means he practiced, what, eight years total before he got suspended. 
and he was a member of the South Carolina Law Review, the Order of the Barristers, and the Moot Court. And here's the thing. He briefly held the position of Executive Director of the South Carolina Republican Party. And he resigned after three months. So that's probably why most people don't know who he is unless you're in South Car Carolina. He made some uh, pretty inflammatory comments way back in 2014. During the Ebola epidemic of 2014, he made public his belief that all people affected with the disease, including U.S. citizens, should immediately be executed. Uh, the protocol for a positive Ebola test should be immediate human execution and sanitation of the whole area that will save lives. That was what he said. There's just no other way with Ebola. We need to be Nepaling villages from the air right now. People with Ebola in the U.S. need to be humanely put down immediately. And then on Twitter in 2013, it says here a number of media outlets detailed a range of inflammatory messages he posted on Twitter account in 2013, which include mocking Florida shoot, shooting victim uh, Tra Trayvon Martin, saying that transgender people should be placed in a concentration-style camp. He also posted to his Twitter account that it was a shame that Michael uh, Preissner, an Iraq War veteran-turned-anti-war organizer, didn't come home in a body bag. And fortunately, Twitter suspended the guy, which is, which is really good. And he made, he made a whole bunch of other comments. So this article says this, Proclaiming himself to be the second coming of Jesus Christ, former South Carolina, quote, Republican, unquote, party, executive director, and social media provocateur, uh, Todd Kincannon ritualistically slaughtered a dog inside the Simpsonville, South Carolina home where he resides with his parents. According to police, the 37-year-old attorney and political operative who gained infamy in recent years for his brash and provocative social media pronouncements told them that he killed the dog because he received a command uh, from God. Officers discovered the deceased animal in the kitchen of uh, Ken Cannon's parents' home located at 216 Jones Avenue in Simpsonville shortly after 1.30 a.m. on the morning of Thursday, July 26. That poor dog. I mean... You know, as an animal lover, I, you know, not real fond of the fact that he murdered a dog, and usually crazy people murder dogs, just so you know. They arrived on the scene in response to a 911 call from McCannon's father, Jim Kincannon, who told them Kincannon's mother, Roxy Kincannon, had locked herself in a bathroom inside the home because she was absolutely terrified of Todd because he had killed one of their dogs with his bare hands. Upon entering the home, police found a deceased medium-sized brown and black dog, an animal which appeared to have suffered numerous stab wounds and was laying in a large pool of blood. Several suspect uh, puncture marks were observed on the left side of the deceased animal. Police found a pair of knives in the kitchen sink, which were taken into evidence along with the images of the carnage. What happened? According to Ken Cannon, he received a sign from God. Quote, I told you, I think, I mean, I know I'm the second coming of Christ and I got a command from God to do it, unquote. Kim Cannon allegedly told a detective with the Simpsonville, South Carolina Police Department. This is a sign, man, Kim Cannon is said to have told deputies holding up his hands. The last time you saw me, you didn't recognize me, Kim Cannon continued according to the law enforcement narrative of events. 
I'm Jesus. I'm not making it up. I have a sign. I'm, I'm about to get crucified in the media. The reason I killed the dog is this. It's real simple. I'm sorry. I think y'all are going to have to take me to the psych institution. I get that, but I'll tell you from a legal standpoint, you know, it's in the state constitution that God is a sovereign, and I honestly think that he told me to do it. Ken Cannon then told police he wanted to, quote, show them a sign at which he held up his hands to show his wrists. And I don't know if there was anything in the wrists. I have no idea. Ken Cannon then began praying in front of the officers, at which point he was placed into emergency uh, protective custody. After being handcuffed, Ken Cannon told police that they were legally required to take him to Three Rivers, a behavioral health facility in Lexington, South Carolina. Ken Cannon told officers this facility was heaven. Police took him instead to Greenville Memorial Hospital, which took temporary custody of him pending a psychiatric evaluation. So far, Ken Cannon has yet to be charged in Greenville South County, South Carolina, with any offenses rate related to the incident. According to our sources, that's only because of this writing. As of this writing, his evaluation has not been completed. This, is, this case is active, police noted in the report. Warrants for King Cannon's arrest are forthcoming, we are told. Meanwhile, sources close to the case tell us South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson's office, which was in the process of prosecuting King Cannon on unrelated charges, will request that bond be denied. And the article says we fully support that decision. I'm not going to read the rest because it's kind of long, but I think you guys get the point. So... <sighs> I have a lot of thoughts on this, but Randall, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are, because you and I seem to think similarly, and I am, I'm just curious what you think. Well, I think people catch us on the replay, because <laughs> Wirecast tells us we're not streaming, but... Uh... Well, it shows that we are. All right, so I'm going to assume that we are. Yeah, I, it's on Periscope it was disconnecting, but we're in there now. Put a one if you guys can see us okay. It looks it looks like okay on mine now. Um, on Facebook it looks like we're still there too. Oops. That's good. I know Gina was having some problems, it looks like. Yeah. Well, the guy's nuts, obviously, um, or demon-possessed, or both, I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, even someone who's a little nuts to, to stab a dog to death, it just seems, uh, something a little more, uh, demonic there than just, you know, yeah, uh, you know, prescription drugs or whatever. I know the rest of the story had to deal with that. Maybe at least he blamed uh, previous behavior on drugs. Um, it's it's just it's just really sad. Well, it is sad, and you know, one of my first thoughts when I re when I read this, there was a couple of thoughts. The first the first thought was, this guy's crazy. Clearly, I mean, in the truest sense of the word, insane, because only a sociopath would would uh, would kill you know somebody. Okay, is it back now? Because it looks okay on my end, which is kind of. Yeah, it looks okay on this end as well. Okay, I think we're back, everybody. By the way, hi, everybody. I should say hi to everybody. I see Sylvia and Mia and Anvar and me, uh, Mama Gina, Percy, Pastor Garrett there, Diane, Stephen, and Melanie, and whoever else is there. Hi. I don't know who you are, but 
glad you're here. Uh, yeah, my first thought was, okay, so he murdered an animal in cold blood. Clearly he's a sociopath, uh, psychotic at least, had a psychotic break. And, but if he's been on some type of medication, then he, uh, you know, who God only knows what that is. And clearly he's had some anger and, and issues in the past because, you know, he's, he just does. And so, but the interesting thing from a marketing standpoint was how the article was written and how it was framed, Right. That's why I brought it up because they intentionally put Jesus in the headline and they also put Republican in the headline and killed dog in oh, the headline. Sure. So, you have to get all those words associated with each other in the headline. Right. So, if you just read the if article. If it was South Carolina man or former attorney, you know, it might be kind of interesting. But, oh, drop Jesus and Republican and a dead dog in there. Yeah. This. So, unless you are, you know, I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I do condemn the behavior of this guy, and Lord willing, he will get some help. Uh, I don't think what he did, I think he should be behind bars. I don't think he should have a bond. I think he should stay behind bars. Uh, whether it's a mental hospital or somewhere else, I don't know, but I tend to, I tend to lean toward the fact that he is demonically uh, captivated. He's captivated by the devil. And I think Chrissy came in, and I don't know who else just came in. Some Carol. Carol's here, too. So nice to see you guys. Okay. So note that. Okay. And then I want to bring up this story, the the, uh, the one about the, the man hitting the lady with the Bible. Right. And now into Bible news on Bible News Radio. <laughs> Sometimes I just search the word Bible in the news to see what what happens. Hey, Joel. And this story came up, this is on the New York Post, titled, Man Arrested for Hitting His Girlfriend with Bible. Uh, so it says here, a Bronx man was arrested for bashing his girlfriend with a Bible on Sunday. Police told the police. Well, it, was, it was on Sunday even. Okay. Daniel LaForge, 36, got into an argument with his girlfriend at a Parkside apartment on Bronx Park East at about 7 a.m., police said. Uh, hi, Connor. And he began to punch the 41-year-old woman, then grabbed the good book and smacked her in the head and shoulder with it, the cops said. The woman called 911, told police she suffered significant pain on her head and shoulder after the beating. LaForge was arrested at the scene and charged with felony assault and harassment, which is good. He should be. Nobody. The Bible is not for literally bashing somebody to, with. But do you guys think... This would even be a story if it was the Quran or the Book of Mormon or the Satanic Bible or any other religious book. No, it wouldn't be. So again, there's this negative connection between a headline and the Bible. It, you know, as a, as a, it's a subtle way of saying, look at these Christians, they're crazy. You know, because even though the article never says the guy is a Christian that did this, the fact that he hit his friend, girlfriend with the Bible, you know, they kind of suggest it. You know what I'm saying? So that. Meanwhile, in other Bible news, uh, this other this this is a good news one. This is the one about the Bible, a century old Bible that was returned to a family. And I like these type of stories because you know people are like, well, why is the Bible so important? Why, you know, or any other secular book? You're right. Carol, you're right. That's exactly right. But this is good news. So this one comes out of Baytown, Texas. 
And it says this, last week we told you about a family's Bible mystery out of Baytown and the efforts one group went through tracking down its owner's descendants. Now officials with the Baytown Genealogical Society said their search is over. Uh, Mickey Wood, a fourth generation member of the Wood family, and his son claimed the century-old Bible. James Winston, president of the Baytown Genealogical Society, also presented the Woods with a booklet of their family's genealogical history. Historians say Bibles were once crucial tools used to trace family lineage. So there you go, right there. So that's a good news story about the Bible, and I think that's cool, and I think you guys should know that because um, I always find it interesting, again, because the Bible is so important. It used to, they used to be used to, you know, to, to trace lineage, right? So um, I'm 63 a century to, <laughs> doesn't seem as long as it used to. You're, you're 63, Joel? I had no idea you were that old. Not that that's old. Just saying, I thought you were like my age, which is almost 50. <laughs> so yeah, so it's kind of interesting, but do you notice that the Quran has never been used to trace genealogy or anything? Just saying. Just saying. Okay. All right, so we did that. We did that story. Hold on, we got did that one, did that one. Okay. Well, typically it's Bibles that have the place in front to record marriages and deaths and things like that and births. The family Bible, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, I look at, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a family Bible. It has you and me in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a time back in the day, you know, the scriptures have been with us for many centuries. You know, there wasn't a birth certificate issued mm-hmm. at a birth. There wasn't a marriage license to be granted, etc. cetera. Uh, so those things were recorded in, in family Bibles. So. Yes. Now, speaking of the Bible, we have a couple of sponsors here on the show. Ariel Ministries is our sponsor. And July is over, pretty much. So next, next tomorrow, or is it tomorrow? No, is there 31 days in July? I think there is. Yes. Okay, so later in the week, uh, we will have a new Bible study that Ariel has given all of us to, to download for free. But right now, you can go over to our website to uh, BibleNewsRadio.com, or you can go to Ariel.org and save 20%, you guys, when you use the uh, coupon code BibleNews. And you can get the Bible study, the current one called The Ministries of the Holy Spirit. So there you go, right there. You can download that. You don't need to give me your email or anything. But while you're on our website, you may as well do that. Give me your email, people. Then I can email you stuff. In fact, show note reminder tomorrow, Tommy Norman, Pastor Tommy Norman, girl. Yeah, she's coming on the show again. We're going to talk about some interesting headlines uh, tomorrow. It should be interesting. So, uh, so check that out, okay? Also, don't forget to follow us on Bullhorn. Get Bullhorn, people. This is an awesome radio or it's podcasting app. Uh, I think most of you in here are already on it. Uh, but you should go ahead and follow us if you're not on it. it unfortunately, it's only uh, available in America. Just look up my name, Stacey Lynn Harp or Bible News Radio. You'll find it and you can uh, join us. You can stand out, be heard using this app and make your voices be, be known. All right. Okay. Also, I want to let you guys know that uh, Randall and I have been invited to go to the Prophecy Watchers uh, conference that's being put on in Oklahoma. 
uh, in October, a couple days after my big five zero. And uh, so last year, you, you might recall that we, we went there and uh, we met up with Derek and Sharon Gilbert and Bob Ulrich and Gary Stearman and L.A. Marzulli and a whole bunch of other people. Well, this year, it's going to be their second annual prophecy conference. And um, so Randall and I are going to go to that. And so this is what we are asking you. This, this is a big expense that is not in our budget. But out of the blue, Bob asked us to come and told me that we can go ahead and do a lot of interviews again and all of that. So I'm asking you guys to donate to us. We need probably about $1,400, uh, which would cover our travel, which would be us driving. That wouldn't take us, uh, you know, we, we would drive because it's cheaper. Uh, our pet care and uh, and the hotel. So that's what it would cost. We, the, the conference is a couple of days. Of course, we need a couple of days travel time. So really it covers about four days of uh, uh, about a week, but it's actually less than a week. So if you guys can donate to our Prophecy Watcher Conference Fund uh, at PayPal at our website and just say, hey, this is towards your your trip, then what you're going to get as a result is probably at least 30 interviews uh, that we are going to be recording and taping while we're there and that we're going to be airing them on the show, just like we did with the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Um, so... You guys already saw Ryan Peterson. He's going to be there. Doug Hershey is going to be there. Uh, we're going to get to meet them in person. <clears throat> Excuse me, interview them. Doug, uh, Jan Markell is going to be there from Olive Tree Ministries. David Reagan's going to be there. Uh, Bill Salas. Uh, pretty much the whole gang is going to be there. So uh, I'm asking you guys to, to, to donate to this so that we can get this out there. Uh, without having to have a huge, huge financial burden on our end. Because uh, we're doing it for you, really. I mean, we really are. Uh, and they will be offering online uh, live streaming as well. Uh, and uh, Bob, I think Ann Gary are going to come on the show in a couple of weeks to actually tell you a little bit more about that. But we figured we start raising money now because this is in October, August, September. So we have two months to raise like 1400 bucks so that we can go. All right? So I know you guys love to give, so... There you have it. There's our big need. Uh, and or if you are a pillar of our community, just keep on giving the way that you do. If you want to be a pillar of our community, any amount you want to give, just feel free to donate to us at Bible News Radio. And then certainly, not least, but just as important, you know, your ID may be stolen any moment now, which is why we are promoting Legal Shield and Identity Theft ID Shield to you in hopes that you will get yourself protected so you can worry less and live more. And Randall's going to play the video about that right now. Yeah, I am. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Hello from ID Shield. You're probably aware that identity theft affects millions of Americans each year. But did you know it's been the number one consumer complaint filed with the FTC for over 15 years straight? Criminals are getting smarter, and they're not going away. Nope. That's why you need ID Shield. We provide the information and expertise to protect your identity and resolve issues related to identity theft. ID Shield offers powerful, proactive monitoring of your credit information, so you can rest assured that your identity is always protected. Stay covered with benefits like quarterly credit score tracker with monitoring of your credit file on a secure website. Black market website surveillance with daily monitoring for unauthorized use of your social security number, credit card and bank account numbers, and any other personal information across the internet. 
In addition, you always have continuous credit monitoring that can be accessed immediately through your member dashboard. You even get minor identity protection, which monitors any fraudulent activity associated with your child's social security number. Additional benefits include payday loan monitoring to alert members when their personal information is associated with short-term, payday, or similar cash advance loans. Social security number fraud detection, a search that detects potential fraud by searching your social security number in over 34 billion current public records. And even assistance to see if your address has been used by a registered sex offender. In the unfortunate event you do become the victim of identity theft, ID Shield has partnered with Kroll, the worldwide leader in theft investigative services. When we detect a threat to your identity, we get working right away. Unlike other providers in the market, we don't waste time retaining an insurer to restore your identity. Our fully integrated partnership with Kroll allows their licensed investigators to handle your identity restoration. This includes, when applicable, sending fraud alerts to all three national credit repositories and correcting identity theft issues with affected banks, credit card companies, law enforcement agencies, and other institutions. Kroll is the best at what they do, and that's why we partner with them. Yep. On top of all this, you get ID Shield's $5 million service guarantee, which means if you become the victim of identity theft, we spend up to $5 million to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to restore your identity. No one else gives you that kind of peace of mind. So choose the ID Shield plan that's right for you. ID Shield Individual covers one person. ID Shield Family covers up to 10 people. You, your spouse or partner, and as many as eight children. Plus, the savings really add up. So arm yourself and your family with ID Shield today. Millions of people lose their identity every year. Don't be one of them. That's right. Don't be one of them. I couldn't. I'm on a mission. <laughs> I really am on a mission because I know too many people that this has happened to. So, uh, if you're interested in signing up with me, which I know you all are. Contact me after the show. Let's do it today. Let's get it done. Stop procrastinating. Get yourself protected. Then you'll actually be more relaxed. You really will. Because, I mean, I know I am. Just so you know. Okay. The other thing is, uh, I there was a lot of um, stories that I was reading today about prayer. Now, this is the interesting thing to me about prayer. It's, it's, It's fascinating to me how... Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me to see how, um, how prayer is such a threat, right? And, and the irony of it all, can you guys hear me? Okay. I'm kind of having an issue here. There we go. Can you hear me? Okay. Testing one, two, three. Okay. So the irony of it all to me is that our culture has taken God out of the schools taking God out of the military, taking God out of our government, blah, blah, etc., trying to get him out of the government. And yet when anything tragic happens, they call out to God. It's like <laughs> the irony, the irony of it all. So when I saw some of these stories today, I thought, man, this is, this has got to be crazy. Okay. So let's look at the Tampa Bay one, Randall. This is court, uh, California school board's Prayers are unconstitutional, according to this court. Uh, this is this was published July 25th, so a couple days ago. It says here, a Southern California school board's policy of opening meetings with a prayer is unconstitutional because the prayers often invoke Christianity. 
And there are secular ways of accomplishing the board's goals of solemnizing meetings and showing respect for religious diversity, a U.S. appeals court ruled Wednesday. A unanimous three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which, incidentally, in case you didn't know this, is the most overturned court in the world in America, the the Ninth Circuit, a lot of people kind of talk, talk, uh, call it the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals because it's been overturned by more than any other court in the country. But anyway, a unanimous three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a lower court ruling that banned the prayers by the Chino Valley Unified School District Board of Education. Chino is where Vicky lives. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, as a violation of the constitutional requirement that government not establish religion. The district is based in Chino, a city 35 miles east of Los Angeles. Robert Tyler, an attorney for the school board, said the board was evaluating its next step but had previously expressed a desire to take this case as far as they can take it. He said the Ninth Circuit ruling conflicted with a decision last year by the U.S. Appeals Court and conflated comments made by individual board members during meetings with the prayer policy. There's nothing unlawful or unconstitutional about allowing an invocation or a ceremonial prayer before school board meetings, he said. Tyler compared the practice to prayers before legislative sessions, which courts have allowed, and we are going to look at a story next about that, okay? Uh, the board policy called for the delivery of a prayer by a member of the clergy or another religious leader, but it also allowed the board president to solicit a volunteer from the board or the audience to deliver the remarks if the religious leader did not appear according to the Ninth Circuit ruling. Board members regularly read from the Bible, invoke Christian beliefs, and engage in additional prayer at the meetings. At one meeting, then-board president James Na urged everyone who does not know Jesus Christ to go and find him. (gasps) The horror of it all. The Ninth Circuit said, they didn't say the horror of it all, I did. The Ninth Circuit panel said some faiths were not represented on a list the board used to select the religious leader for the prayer. Agnostics and atheists were also not acknowledged, the court said. Instead, the prayers frequently advance religion in general and Christianity in particular. Judges M. Margaret McCowan, Kim McLean Ward Law, and Wiley Y. Daniel said, The judges additionally said the board could have accomplished its goals without conveying an explicitly religious message or performing a a religious activity by, for example, having someone read about the importance of religious diversity or pluralism because, after all, that's what America was founded on. And after all, those were the books that were the first books in American education that people learned to read from. And after all, those were the books that were the first textbooks Daniel Webster would tell you. No, just kidding. The decision came in a lawsuit filed against the district by parents, students, employees, and the Freedom From Religion Foundation. F-F-R-F for short. (sighs) A nonprofit group that fights for the separation of church and state. The court said the board's practice was different from the tradition of holding a prayer to open legislative sessions because many members of the audience at board meetings were children who had little choice but to attend and were in an unequal relationship with the board. Okay. There's so much wrong with this. (laughs) But it's California, which is why I left California. I said, see you, California. 
In fact, I got to tell you guys an addendum to this story the other day. Remember I was telling you that I was at Aldi's and this woman from Tennessee, you know, basically told me to go back where I, where I came from. I was, I was at Pickleball this morning and there was another visitor there today. She was a sweetheart. She was actually, uh, from, uh, New Jersey. And, uh, so, you know, she was saying, oh, everybody here in Tennessee is so welcoming and everything. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually from California, but I was telling her about this incident and she, she said the funniest thing to me. She said, what an ambassador for Tennessee, <laughs> such an ambassador. <laughs> and it made me laugh because I instantly thought of being an ambassador for Christ. You know how, oh yeah. Okay. Hey, look. We are ambassadors for Christ. Yeah, we are. We're his ambassadors here. We can mention Jesus if we want because we're his ambassadors, you know. Hey, that's what I'm here for, to represent him. If you don't like it, see ya. I mean, I wouldn't tell anybody to go back where they came from. It's kind of rude. But um, I did think that was funny. Okay, so in other prayer news, though, over on the Daily Signal, you guys notice how I'm trying to be intentional with my words. I'm trying not to slur them because I find when I'm congested, I tend to do that. Not that you need to know that, but it's just sharing my heart here. Okay, so the Daily Signal has an article titled, Legislative Prayer is Still Constitutional. The people in California need to read this. So it says here, the Supreme Court of the United States recently declined to review two cases on prayer in public settings, leaving in disarray. That's, a, that's in quotes, so it's really important. The law regarding the place of religion in the public square to quote Justice Clarence Thomas, who the liberals think is of the devil. The court has long made clear that it is in keeping with the principles of the Constitution to begin public sessions with prayer. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit gave careful consideration to that history and found no constitutional conflict when lawmakers began their sessions by saying a prayer. However, considering the same question, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit arrived at the opposite conclusion. Since the Supreme Court chose not to review either case, it leaves lawmakers and their lawyers outside the Sixth Circuit wondering what they should do. What should I do? Should I be against prayer? Should I be for prayer? I don't know. Let's go talk to the Ninth Circuit. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Thomas, joined by Justice Neil Gorsuch, wrote in dissent of the decision to deny review, but he put a fine point on the confusion an unresolved circuit split will cause. State and local lawmakers can lead prayers in Tennessee, because we're super special here in Tennessee. <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah, we are. Ohio and Michigan, but not in South Carolina. North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, or West Virginia. Those states? No. This court should have stepped in to resolve this conflict. That's right, people. Now, if you have lawmakers that in Tennessee and Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan, who they can pray, yeah. But if you go to South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, or West Virginia, Virginia you can't pray. Just so you know. <laughs> this is what makes America great. All right, there, there will in all likelihood be more cases in other circuits. As judges consider those cases, they should follow the lead of the Sixth Circuit decision by Bormuth v. County of Jackson by not only recalling our rich history on the topic of legislative invocations, but by considering two important cases from the relatively recent past. 
One of those is Marsh v. Chambers, and the relatively recent past was 1983, so I guess that is relatively recently. It's in my lifetime, in which the high court ruled that a state legislature did not violate the Establishment Clause of the Constitution by opening sessions with a prayer led by a chaplain, even when the chaplain was paid with tax dollars. The 6-3 majority opinion written by Chief Justice Warren Burger affirmed that the opening of sessions of legislative and other deliberative public bodies with prayer is deeply embedded in the history and tradition of this country. Hi, Annie. From colonial times through the founding of the Republic and ever since, the practice of legislative prayer has coexisted with the principles of disestablishment and religious freedom. Yeah, it has. Thomas expressed it more succinctly. For as long as this country has had legislative prayer, legislators have led it. Yeah, they have. It's also important to note that the majority in Marsh framed the issue more broadly than simply specific issue of publicly paid chaplains. The court clearly affirmed the constitutionality of legislative prayer in general, quote, in light of the unambiguous and unbroken history of more than 200 years, wrote the Chief Justice, there can be no doubt that the practice of opening legislative sessions with prayer has become part of the fabric of our society. There you go. I'm not going to read the rest of the article. I think you guys got the point. <clears throat> so meanwhile... While the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals is saying, you guys can't pray, over here, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals is saying, you can pray, but then the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals is saying, no, you can't, you can't pray. <laughs> it's, so, it's such controversy in America that you could pray, you can't pray, no, you can't pray, it's illegal, you can't do it, yeah, you can. Uh, so here's my advice. I'll tell you what my dad said, pray. Really, I mean pray. <laughs> I don't care where you are. All right. So over on the Religious News uh, Service website, RNS for short, uh, there is an article that was posted today, July 30th, titled uh, Military Bible Display at Center of Religious Liberty Tussle. You got you to love the word tussle there. <laughs> yeah. There was a tussle, I'm telling you. I don't know how many of you guys actually use the word tussle in your everyday language, but it's kind of a good word. So anyway, it says here, a Bible placed on a memorial table at a Wyoming Air Force base is at the center of an ongoing battle over what constitutes religious liberty and what violates it. In response to demands by the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, Colonel Stacy J. Husser, commander of the 90th Missile Wing at F.E. Warren Air Force Base near Cheyenne, Wyoming, recently ordered that a Bible be removed from the base's, quote, missing man table. The table, a POW and MIA memorial common at military base dining halls, hospitals, and ceremonies since the Vietnam War, is set for a meal in honor of prisoners of war, the missing in action, and the fallen. A Bible is traditionally placed on the table. Usually it's open, and they have a speaker on top of it that's blaring the gospel as they, people walk by, saying, Read me. I am the Bible. I threaten people. Like the military religious from Freedom 
foundation. Okay, that was a bad joke. But anyway, you got the point. The Bible's there. It's a threat. Yeah, it is. But Mikey Weinstein, who is an angry atheist, I should say. Poor little Mikey. I mean, wouldn't you be mad if you were named Mikey and you are old like he is? I mean, you know, Mikey likes it. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I always, whenever I hear the name Mikey, that Life cereal commercial comes into my mind. But Mikey likes it. There's the cereal bowl. He puts in lots of milk. And he eats it. You guys remember that commercial? Mikey likes it. <laughs> but Mikey Weinstein doesn't like prayer. He doesn't like the Bible. No, he doesn't. Because he's, I think he's Jewish. With a name like Weinstein, it kind of sounds that way. Not, <sighs> not in religion and ethnicity. No, just in ethnicity. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's the founder and president of the foundation. He said the Bible violates the civil rights of military personnel, many of whom have been abused in the military for not being Christian enough. <laughs> Weinstein, a former Air Force officer and firebrand lawyer, claims to represent more than 50,000 anonymous clients worldwide, many of them Christians, which, which would be really odd, don't you think? Don't you think that would be odd? First of all, 50, out of 50,000 people, why doesn't he rename his organization to I represent cowards who don't want to show my face because I'm afraid because I'm a wimp and, you know, blah, blah, because, you know, I mean, why would, why would anybody represent somebody who's too chicken to actually put their face with their belief? I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but it's like, 50,000? Are, are atheists that scared? I mean, of a little dinky Bible that's sitting on a table, just sitting there minding its own business, not doing anything? I mean, seriously, the, what? The danger of a Bible on a table. Well, it could, it could, it could catch the table on fire, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a fire hazard. The book is dangerous. Ah, uh, <clears throat> Weinstein is fun to make fun of because he's such a temperamental brat. Anyway, Weinstein approached Huser in May on behalf of 36 unnamed base officers and enlisted personnel. Only 36, though, there. That's quite a lot. That's, quite, that's not as many as 50,000. Well, that's on that base. The 50,000 okay. are all across the country. Yeah. Okay. Well, according to Weinstein, Huser jumped right on it and thanked him for taking care of our airmen. A replacement, quote, book of faith is in the works that will feature teachings from five religious traditions and include blank pages representing non-belief. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that is a marketing tactic, people. I have an idea. I don't believe anything. Here's my book. Wait, this is a book. It's a notebook. Open it up. This is what I believe. Yeah. Alternate religious texts, including the Torah and the Book of Mormon, are being rotated through the missing man table until the interfaith book becomes available. Good luck with that. <laughs> 
uh, Husser or Husser or however you say their name, said in a media statement that the Bible was removed to increase the sense of belonging for all of our airmen. A large part of that effort is ensuring the religious and non-religious feel included and cared for. You know, it's really weird. I just got to say this. Look, my dad is a Vietnam, my dad is a Vietnam vet. My dad is a Korean War vet, okay? I actually know quite a few older people, military people, I might add. And I have never, ever, 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 ever in my life, in the whole time I've lived, which has been my whole life, almost 50 years, I have never met one person in the military, not one, not, not one, not one. It's been zero. I have never met one person in the military who was an atheist. Now, call me crazy, but you know that old adage, there are no atheists in foxholes, especially when it comes to older people like my dad who was in the military when they actually had guns and and stuff right there and they, you know, they got blown up in front of you. Uh... I, this is like, I, I wouldn't want personally anybody of non-belief in the military defending me. I know that sounds horrible, because how dare I? Uh, you say an atheist and agnostic should not defend you if they want. Well, no, I'm not really saying that. But what I am saying is I find it odd that they would go into a career where they could be killed any time and not have a belief in God and care about their eternal destiny. That's my concern. I would rather have somebody who was secure in their faith, would carry a Gideon Bible or any other issued Bible in their pocket in the case that they got shot right there, that the Bible would protect them because there's been lots of stories about that. It just, it just seems to me that, um, that religious people should be in our military, right? Because, hey, you know, I mean, it just makes more sense, right? I mean, to me it does. I don't know. But anyway, so this article ends by saying, The Family Research Council, a conservative faith-based advocacy group, is asking via petition that Secretary of the Air Force Heather Wilson restore the Bible at Warren Air Force Base. The FRC said the generic book is an affront to the very real faith that sustained many of our heroic POW and MIA warriors, which is is exactly the point. According to Chris Gasick, FRC Senior Fellow, for regulatory affairs, such cases represent a trivialization of religious freedom rights. Placement of the Bible on the missing man table constitutes a minor, passive, and non-participatory presence of a religious symbol, he said, something that reasonable interpretations of First Amendment law would not consider offensive. Further, this guy said, in military cemeteries and memorials where thoughts often turn to meaning of life issues, Religious symbols of various faiths seems natural and even vital to many. The commander made a big boo-boo when she substituted another book, said Gasek. Creating the interfaith book could be seen as violating the First Amendment by demonstrating government bias in favoring one kind of religious content over another and establishing a preferred religion, or in this case, many religions. The outcome of such demands and litigation threats often rests on the prevailing views of the current presidential administration. In 2017, Attorney General Jeff Sessions signaled that he would intervene in religious liberty cases only with a high level of need, a standard the missing man table controversy doesn't meet even remotely. In addition to petitioning Wilson, the FRC is appealing to members of Congress and the public 
urging a considered approach as opposed to the recent hair trigger removals of statues, monuments, and other public symbols after complaints that they are offensive. Are you going to rip out the crosses on the graves of all the American military cemeteries in Europe? Asked this guy, Gasek. For his part, Weinstein stands firm, evoking former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and abolitionist Frederick Douglass, and claims that the placement of the Bibles, quote, is the worst form of bigotry and prejudice, raping the civil rights of those who object to the Bible's display. Blah, blah, blah. And that will be that for now. All right, so tomorrow, Pastor Tommy Norman, you guys know she is a, she's a superstar on Periscope. She's a good friend of mine. Love her. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about some stuff. I actually found a really cool article that talks about how 12 disciples may actually have gone out two by two, one man and one woman together. And that some uh, Bible scholars are actually saying that, that there's 12 women disciples that Jesus sent out who they were wiped out of history out of the books. So we're going to talk about that and some other stuff tomorrow here on Bible News Radio with Pastor Tommy Norman. I hope you guys can tune in. And uh, as always, let me thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, go over to BibleNewsRadio.com. Join my email list. Send me a message. Sign up for ID Shield, Legal Shield. Donate to the cause. And we'll see you tomorrow. Be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. (laughs) 